You guys ready for the word? Anybody ready for the word? Oh, boy, that, I got to help you all with something. Yes. yes. All right, Matthew 24, chapter 24. Um, I'm preaching again on the last day's church, and I want to qualify a statement. I'm not preaching this to scare you. There's no fear. God's, you know, he said, you're not allowed. You don't have a right to have fear. You're, we're not afraid. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you from the Word of God today that our best days are ahead. If, if you're a church, if you're a born-again Christian, your best days are ahead of you. And God is not going to allow his church. You don't know, get hide in the cave and, 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 and get your AR and get your ammo and go hide in a country someplace and wait for the last days to be over with. You don't need to do that. All that's fear. You're going to live triumphantly even in these days. Amen? So, but we need to talk about it because are we actually in the last days? How do we know we are? Now, if we are in the last days, that means things are changing. That means things are not going to be the way they used to be. And, you know, and, and, and so we've got to start making adjustments on the way we live and the way we conduct ourselves. And we'll go over that in a minute. Matthew 24, let's start with verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. Do you understand that there was nobody there but his disciples? Do you understand that there's a lot of times, a lot of teaching in the Bible where Jesus was not with multitudes? He was only with his disciples? So there's things they recorded that the average person was not privy to until they got the Word of God and read it. This is a private conversation. Privately says, tell us when will these things be and when will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Now, let's stop for a minute and take, a, take this apart because every one of us wants to know what is going to happen. What's going to happen to me? So, I want you to know this. The Bible is not fortune-telling. Jesus is not a palm reader. He's not trying to show you stuff just so that you don't have to use your faith. You're going to use your faith. But a lot of times there's things that are in the Bible that you didn't know. They didn't even make sense until after it happened. And you came back and read it and realized, oh, my God, that was in the Bible right there. There's, and one of the things that's in here, and I want you to see this, the, the disciples understood the book of Daniel. And they knew there was only seven years of Jewish time left. They thought they were going to leave and go preach the gospel and Jesus would be back in their day. If you read, you'll, you'll see that they have this attitude, when are you coming back? Kind of like mama leaving and going to the store and the kids going, when are you coming home, mom? Yeah. Well, I'll be home in an hour. I'll be home next week. You know, I'll be home in five years. They had no idea that Jewish time ended. They didn't know this. And that there's still seven years of Jewish time left, and we'll talk about that. When you see the temple being built, and we'll talk about when it's going to be built, then you know that Jewish time starts again. And there's seven years from the time they build that temple until Jesus puts his foot down. Now, now all of that's happening around us right now. So, let me finish reading this because I'm going to get ahead of myself if I don't. Take heed that no one deceives you. Many are going to come in my name and say I'm the Christ and will deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See, 
that you're not troubled. You, you don't have that privilege. All of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. These are the beginning of sorrows. All right, now pay attention to what he said about the beginning of sorrows. All of you women who've had babies understand that just because you are pregnant doesn't mean you're going to have the baby this week. And if you're only five months pregnant, you know the baby's not coming. I mean, you can actually go out to dinner and go to the beach and enjoy yourself, but it's obvious there's a baby on the way. All right. Now, the word here, the beginning of sorrows, is literally the beginning of labor. There's a point, you women have to help me out a little bit, because even though I know everything about babies, I have to admit women know, who's had babies knows a little more than me. I said a little bit more. Now, you understand that when the baby's coming, you know, the mama will be walking around the house, and she'll stop and go, oh, hold on one moment. Okay, honey, help me breathe, help me breathe. Oh, that was, okay, okay, okay. Now, what that means is that you're not going on vacation. <laughs> now, that does not mean you're going to the hospital right now. But it, 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 it's the beginning of something big that's going to happen. And everything in your life has to center around this event. Yeah, you, you, well, we ain't going to the beach. You're not going on vacation. And, you know, there's a lot of things you're not going to do. You're not going hiking. You might walk around the block, but you're not going hiking. And so you're really waiting because you know there are signs that this baby's coming. Now, the doctor told me when Lisa stops smiling, she's in real labor. So when your wife is, like, having a moment and then she goes back to smiling, you relax. You're okay. But you do need to start thinking seriously, it's pretty soon. So he said when you see these things, the church is going, but we're still smiling. So we know it's not this week. See, now the whole church world has had this Jesus could come at any time. No. When you see a woman five months pregnant, don't walk around acting like he, the baby could come any moment. But when she's in, in her nine month and she's waddling, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious. Don't women, don't get mad at me. I mean, you don't walk the same anymore. You get in the car different than you used to. And it's obvious. Everybody walks up and goes, how long, how long, how long? And it's obvious that there's a baby on the way. Now, the husband is the one watching it close. He is really watching it. And he calls his boss and goes, any day now, I'll be in work tomorrow, but I might not. I'll be in this week, but I might not. So he, we all know that something is about to happen. So Jesus said, when you see the beginning of sorrows... That means that the earth is in labor, and we're about to give birth to the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming back, and he is coming back very, very soon.
Now that means that we're going to carry on life as normal, but things might change a little bit. There might be some things we stop doing. There might be some adjustments that we make because we know it's, it's, it may not be this week, it may not be this month, but it's very, very soon. All right, having said that, he said, when you see these things, so he's going to give you signs so that you will know that, you, that the earth is in labor pains, Roman 8, for the Lord to return. How many of you believe right now that, that we're actually in those labor pains? Mary Frances prophesied and said the baby's in the birth canal. That she did that one year ago. That means that when the baby turns, heads down, mama knows it. Mama knows it's not, I mean, it's all of a sudden, oh, the baby is looking like he wanting to come. Amen. And I'm not a woman, and I know it because I watched Lisa, and I read a book. <laughs> all the women are like, right, and you know so much. I, I get it. I get it. I was going to say something, but I, I have to mind my own. I've got to mind my manners now. So let's come back up here and read this. Verse 6. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. These things must come to pass. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there's going to be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Now, the reason he said this is that this change, you know, even though there's always been wars, but they're, the, the in, the, they're increasing in intensity. Now, let's talk about the earth groaning for just a moment. I remembered when I was a boy growing up, in the United States of America, we had one tornado one year. One. Y'all remember that? You didn't know, I mean, you didn't hear about tornadoes. And it happened in Athens, and it devastated the town, and, and, and it, I mean, it tore up everything. It was a big tornado, and it tore down trees and all that. And I remembered that I had never in my life ever heard of a tornado, and I heard that they happened out west more frequently. But honey, every time we have a thunderstorm, they're dropping. I mean, it's like the earth right now is groaning. It's, it's become normal for us to watch weather patterns go crazy. That is why God is not sending them. Use your faith. Tell it to stay out of Florida. And then go to the Bahamas and teach them to do that. Puerto Rican, folks, listen, you've got authority over these things. They're not supposed to tear your home and life up. But I've never in my life heard so many people on Facebook talking to Hurricane as I did this last one. I mean the whole body of Christ. And it was, used to be 10, 15 years ago, people preaching that stuff was considered crazy. And now everybody's walking around. You ain't touching our state. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. I mean, you're on Facebook and everybody's talking to this storm. And it sat out there for two days trying to figure out whether to mind you or not. And I decided what, what it was doing, it was watching the Weather Channel. <laughs> now tell me that what we saw, it came to Puerto Rico and jumped it. That, that's, so they said, not here. And it came to Florida, and it sat out there, and we kept going, I don't think so. And it went up the coast, and it got to Daytona. It's going to land, and they, the people in Daytona know, and so it didn't. And it got up to Jacksonville. Surely it's going to land here, and the people in Jacksonville said no, so it didn't. Finally, it, uh, did it try? 
I mean, it was, I mean, it was like, it was an attitude. This thing has an attitude. Amen? And, and so, you know, we don't have to take that, but we're watching stuff like that more and more and more. Now, let's use, I want to go over this word, nation against nation, literally means ethnic against ethnic. Now, hold on a minute. Aren't we seeing way more of that than we have ever seen in our life? Um, the, you know, I got to get to something in a minute. I, wanna, I, need to, I need to say it now. Let me say it now. I want you to listen to this. Human wisdom will never prevail over the seething contentions that challenge this world. Human wisdom will not fix this problem. But what are we watching right now with the Muslims and the Jews? Contention over who's going to rule and reign, and it's ethnic versus ethnic. We're watching it in the, with the Sunnis and the, well, I got it written down here, even in the middle of, of their world, um, what is it? Shiites and, 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 yeah, Sunnis and Shiites, we even see it with them. They fight. We see it in, we see it in America with the black-white issue that's still going on. Folks, and, and there's issues that are wrong, I get it. But, but human, humans are not going to fix the problem. It's a spiritual war. You're not going to fix it by, by, by trying to create legislation. We just had an issue where up in Washington State, the guy came in with a gun shooting up the store and shooting up stuff. And you understand that's a heart issue. You know, back when I was a kid, you could order a gun online and have it mailed to your house and nobody was shooting each other. Right. So it has to be a heart issue. It's not the gun. Right. So the guy in Walmart says, well, no more, no more ammo. Like that's, well, if it hadn't have been for the two good guys shooting a bad guy, he would have shot a whole lot of other people. So, so you know, human, it's, it's almost like everybody has a plan to fix America and it's all human effort, and all it's ever done is get worse. So I want you all to understand this. You're, there is no politician in Washington. No matter what persuasion you are, there is no man there that's going to fix this trouble. Because it's spiritual. You, you, can't, you can't, well, we want free school. Free college. And I know all you young people want free college. But I'm going to give you my opinion. So you can go learn all the stupid stuff they're teaching you, and you'll be a, a part of the system. Free school is not going to fix this nation. Then you still don't know how to work. And now you don't even know how to make money. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. But all of that is human wisdom. And, and, and if you don't watch it, we're in the middle of a spiritual war in America, and, and, and it's ethnic against ethnic. I mean, people are fighting. It's the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's still going on, and you need to know, do not, get, do not become a part of that because it's, it's Satan's system. Now, what is the new world order? Does anybody know what it is and why it's being pushed? Y'all don't really realize that it's being pushed in America as progressivism.
is a push toward a one world government. Now, why is that being pushed? As a Christian, I want you to know what the, what the bottom line is. Because all wars are started on three areas. Money, religion, and government. All the wars that are going on are in one of those three areas. So what would happen is if we didn't have the Muslim religion, the Jewish religion, and the Christian religion? What if we all were only one religion? They say you would stop war. Well, then you've got the United States right now siding with Israel against all the nations, Russia and uh, Turkey and Iran. So, so we obviously, that's a political war, they think. So what would happen if there was only one world government? Or the other thing that causes a lot of problems is money. What if there was no cash? That's the world's way of saying this is how you create peace. Will it? No, no it will not. Because it still doesn't fix the problem. Man outside of Jesus is corrupt. There's only one prince of peace. Are y'all getting this? So I want you to understand that when all this is going on, you are watching the devil trying to push his system in, and this is his last-ditch effort. You need to know that he's desperate. You do, you're not allowed to get desperate. You're watching it going, hey, 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 Jesus is coming back. And that's a good thing. We're not sitting here falling apart because this is happening. We're rejoicing because it is happening and going, hey, it's soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Jesus is coming back and there will be world peace because he is the prince of peace and he's the only prince of peace. All right. Having said that, we know we're in this time. What's the answer to our generation? What do you look at people and say, what is the answer? Do you think that God has, all of this is catching him by surprise? No. Do you think he equipped you for this? Yes, he did. All right, let's look at it. John chapter 1, go to John chapter 1 and let's read. What is God doing? Got to do a little history now. Because God's fixing to roll up his sleeves and show everybody who God is. Our best days are ahead. I'm going to show you this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him, Jesus, was life. And life was the light of man. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, hold on a minute. We have a world full of darkness and chaos. And it says that a man was born in a manger and stepped into the scenes that brought light to the earth. Who is he? That's Jesus Christ. What was the light? The life of God on the inside of him. So we know that when he stepped, now here's a man like Adam who stepped into the history of the world full of the life of God. And everywhere he went... He took peace and prosperity and healing and blessing everywhere he went. He went in a town, he changed the town. He walked in a house, he changed the house. He walked in a city, he changed the city. He stepped in the world, he changed the world. 
How did he do that? With one item, the life of God in him brought light to the world. Now, you got to think like that because now we're talking about what Jesus did. But he didn't do that just for himself. He is the man that lights every man that comes into the world. So he came to bring that light to you. All right, I know you're getting this. Go to 1 John chapter 2. Say, I have the life in me. I've got the light in me. Say, I'm the answer. Yeah, you are. You are God's secret weapon. The church is God's secret weapon. Oh, well, I'm getting, I don't want to get ahead of myself. 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. A new commandment I give you, which is true, and in him, the darkness is passing away. Folks, darkness day is soon to be over completely. Sin is going to be done completely soon. Sickness is going to be done completely soon. We will step into a reign where there is no war and there is no sickness and there is no disease and there is no death. We are about to step into a time where there is no darkness at all. The darkness is passing away. Satan knows this. All right. Oh, this is so good. He who says, okay. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And he who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause of stumbling in him. I want you to understand there's nothing a man can do that's unsaved that can fix this problem. Nobody. Nobody that's not walking with God has an answer. No one. But... There are people on the planet that are full of the life of God, aren't there? Did it change the world when Jesus stepped into it? Will it change it now? Yes, it will. The church is here because God knows in the time that this is coming up, this world needs light. Now, you may not look too bright right now. Now, i got to tell you a story. There was a time that Lisa and I, I took Lisa that I was preaching in a Nazarene church in Nassau, which now is a Pentecostal Nazarene church. He gave me 15 minutes to preach. I preached an hour. Got everybody born again filled with the Holy Ghost in this church. Anyway, so on the way there, we left Orlando, flew down to West Palm Beach, used the VOR, and ran over to Nassau. Well, by the time we are headed toward Nassau over the ocean, the sun had gone down and the clouds had come out. Now, I want you to imagine being in an airplane where there's a cloud cover above you and you can't see a star. It's black. And the ocean below you is black and everything around you is black. You are, you are flying an airplane in, in just pure black. Imagine how eerie that is, like eerie. Well, I had a flashlight in my mouth. And I carried it. I, well, I actually had it tucked away. But sometimes I, I had it so I could put it in my mouth. Because if I lose electrical, I still got to fly and I can't see. So I had a flashlight close by in case. 
One of the things you learn when you fly airplanes is what to do if something goes wrong. And you always fly if something goes wrong. Okay. So I'm flying along, and you can't see anything. It is black. And all you can hear is an engine roar. And you got a few instruments that are lit up on, in front of you. And then after about an hour of just droning along in the dark, you look out, and there's someone put diamonds on velvet. And there's lights on the island starting to flicker. And how do you know, what do you, what do you think happens inside of you when you start seeing these lights flicker? You're, and Lisa started breathing. <sighs> she held her breath all the way from Fort Paris all the way to West Palm Beach, all the way to Nassau. So all of a sudden you're flying up to it in a, in a, there's a sea of black and you see flickers of light everywhere. That's so comforting. Because that's life there. You see, right now, you might not look so bright. But there's coming a day in the darkness. And the world's going to look around and go, there's one. There's somebody. There's somebody right there that can help us. You know, light bulbs don't look too good in midday. But they sure look good when the sun goes down. Amen. So having said that, I want you to go to Isaiah 60 now. Darkness can't win. Darkness cannot overcome light. It can't do it. Satan cannot produce an answer. The world cannot produce an answer. Quit looking to them. They're, they're confused, and they don't even know they're confused. They're screwed up. We know they're screwed up. If you don't believe that, go on Facebook. The stuff people say, you're going... You are really confused. I want you to look at Isaiah 59, 19 first. When the enemy comes in like a flood, is he coming? Is he? What does it say that God's going to do? And the Spirit of God will lift up a standard against him. So you understand that even though we're living in this day, and he said, this is the beginning of sorrows. I want you to look at this verse. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and you feel like, oh, my God, it's getting worse. And it is getting worse. And, and it's going to get worse. It's even going to get worse than it is now. Yeah. But whenever it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Now, didn't we just watch the church operating in this last hurricane? Didn't we get to watch the church finally start being the church? You're not coming here. You're not coming here. Don't you even think about coming here. Folks, if it, when the church starts rising up and letting her light shine, it's going to be amazing what we see happen in this earth. Because when God's goal was to make little Jesuses I want you to think of the, what happened to the devil when he thought he killed Jesus. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jesuses stood up. And he went, oh, no. I had trouble with one. Now there's 3,000 of them. And God's up there going, hey, 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 you ain't seen nothing. I'm fixing to put Jesuses everywhere. Now, that'll mess a religious person up. I didn't say you are Jesus Christ, but I did say you're the body of Christ. 
and you're made in his image. Amen. We'll see more of that in a minute. Let's read this now, Isaiah 61. Arise and shine. What are you supposed to be doing? Get up and shine. It is time for you to let your light shine. I'll get into that in a minute. For the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now I'm going to stop right here and make a statement because I need to, I need to say this while the Holy Ghost prompts me. Everywhere I have ever worked in my life since I've been born again, I have changed the workplace for good. Amen. Now I'm going to say that again. I, not not Daryl. But I'm full of the life of God. I'm light. My prayer is that God would put you. I, want, I pray that your job is full of heathen. One lady in the first service says, I'm already there. God, why would God waste such a strategic uh, instrument of glory on a bunch of Christians? Why would he not send you right in the middle of hell? If you're full of the life of God, God sent Jesus to hell and he just blew out of there, right? No, you just blow it up when you get there. Now, I want you to think about what I just said. Every place I've ever worked, I've changed the job. I, everybody around me got born again and people got saved and the atmosphere changed. Why? Because I showed up. Now, you, you need to see yourself this way. You are so full of God that everywhere God, God is sending you places because he's got a problem there. And he's sending you there because you're the answer to that problem. You just show up, pray, walk in love, and let your light shine. The people there will see it, and the atmosphere will change. We came to America, we changed the country. Now, I said this in the first service. Let me, let me, let me back up here and I'll make a statement to y'all that's just going to rattle your brain a minute. When Kenneth E. Hagin started Rainbow Bible Training Center, it was in order to train up ministers to go and do the work of ministry. Seminary does not prepare you for ministry. You can leave seminary and you, okay, you, you still can't do squat. So Rainbow started to take you and teach you how to be. It. So it's like a Votech school for ministers. There's a guy named Jim Zirkel, left Rama and went to Quesotenango, Guatemala, at the end of 10 years of him being there, Guatemala had a Christian president and the nation was Christian. One man and his what? One man. One. Got airplanes, got up on a mountain there, started a Bible school, started training nationals, started taking little airplanes, 172, 182s, flying into villages, holding Bible studies, and ended up turning the whole nation to God. One man. Jim Andrews went down to Peru. One man changed the whole nation to Christian. Reinhard Bonnke, say one man. One man stuck up a tent full of God, let his light shine, and turned a nation to God. There's more Christians. Matter of fact, I think Africa's sending more missionaries now than we are. Now, do you understand the power of what Jesus is doing? Now, do you understand the way Satan views you? You might not view you that way, but he views you that way. See, you are God's secret weapon. Everywhere you go, you are going to turn it around. Has this church affected this city in a positive way? 
You better believe it has. Betty May remembers what it was like 30 years ago and the, with the police force and all of that. He remembers all that stuff. Well, it's not like that now. I, I, I think this is, I'm, I'm opinionated, this is the best church in Apopka, I think. But I would think that, be, and the reason I think it's because it has the best pastor. But I'm opinionated. I'm very opinionated. <laughs> Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Say me. Amen. Now, we'll get into that in a minute, but I've got to read this. The darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. Say me. And his glory will be seen upon me, and Gentiles, those are people that are lost, shall come to my light. Kings, those are Christians, shall come to the brightness of my rising. In other words, there's an attractant to the glory of God. All right, now I'm going to prove to you that you have the glory of God. All right, I'm going to prove it to you. Just hold your, hold your, hold we're going to come back to here in a minute. But go, go to John 17. First, I've got to prove to you you have it. Because so many people are praying to get it, and you already got it. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Help me, Crystal. Help me out. John 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they would be one, Father, as we are one, and I in you, and you in me, that the world believe you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given it to them. Where is it? It is inside of us. All right, now I want you to understand this. When you walk into a room, every demon in hell knows who you are because you glow. Heaven's lit up, right, with the glory? What do you think when the glory came in your spirit? What do you think your spirit looks like in the spirit realm when you walk around? You're all lit up. Yes, Sinners are dark. Christians are light. And the ones of you that are in the word of God and fired up and praying the Holy Ghost, you're brighter than everybody else. What do you think happens when you're walking around work and you're laying your hands on people? What do you think is happening to them? Yeah, you better believe you, that anointing is on you whether you feel like it or not. You, don't, you can be a kid in school and walk around and lay hands on the kids and the teacher and the anointing will hit that room. And God will change the whole atmosphere. Do y'all see what I'm saying? All right. I'm very aware of this. I've actually had people full of the devil stick their tongue out at me in a car because the devil in them knew the God in me. And when you're riding down the road in your pickup truck and you stop at a light and someone goes, that's not normal. And you have to go, oh, shut up, Satan, and I bind you. Now, I'm going to tell you all a story now. It's crazy, but it's fun. When I worked in Tulsa and went to Raymond, I, went, I worked at a, I was a maintenance man at a place called Raven's Roost. And there was a woman there who was crazy. I mean, she's, she's crazy. 
She's, she's a nut. She's fruitcake. And she's full of the devil. And, I, and when, when I'd get around her, I could tell that she was full of devils. She'd come out and do her possums. And so whenever I'd go to her apartment, when I'd open the door, I would say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name from off of this woman. I forbid you to operate in Jesus' name. And, and, and I would walk in her apartment, and I would bind the devil. And that afternoon, she came, when she got home, wherever she was, she came running out of her apartment, came over to my boss and said, your maintenance man is bothering me. I, I didn't talk to her. And so my boss's name was Rita. And I, she says, are you bothering her? I said, Rita, I'm not bothering her. I hadn't said anything to her. Well, she's coming over here and said that you're harassing her. I said, well, I'm not harassing her. And so the lady left, and I went, hee, <laughs> And so, so I walked out, and I walked by her apartment, and I said, I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Are you foul devil from hell? Shut up. I loose you from your assignment and in Jesus' name. And she would come once a week. Your maintenance man is harassing me. I was harassing someone, but it wasn't her. Do you think that devil didn't know that? Oh, that's funny. Are you bothering her again? I haven't never said a word to her. Spiritual things are fun. When I go by these tarot places, the palm readers, I always take authority. Or I, I sit there and pray. I bind you in Jesus. I just give them heck. Command it to burn down and go away in Jesus' name. Amen. So. <laughs> now, God gave you his glory. Go to 2 Corinthians 3. Turn over there because it gets better now. Listen. listen. Woo. Okay. I got all kind of crazy stories. Get in devil's trouble. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Look at this. Behold we all with unveiled face. Behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now see, that's what this is doing for you. This word you're hearing right now is taking you from glory to glory to glory. That means that that glory in you is now made more manifest outside of you than it used to be. It's inside there. It was in there the day you got born again. But the more of the word of God you're looking into, the more of that glory is manifesting and changing the world around you. It'll change your health. It'll change your income. It'll change your family. My family has all come to Jesus. How? The glory of God. I never did anything other than just pray. Have y'all experienced this since you've been saved? How much of that's affecting your home around you? And, and, and listen, and the devil knows it, but you're stronger than darkness. You know what? You're not afraid of darkness. Don't be afraid to go places. I preached the other day in a bar. I did a funeral in a bar. And everyone had a martini, and they were all having communion. 
friend of mine, Kevin, his wife, I, I led her to the Lord, and he wanted to have the celebration at the Eagles Club. I said, I'll do it, and I came in. And I walked in there, and I said, I want you to understand something. You, you are aware that I'm a pastor. I'm a friend of Kevin's. And I said, and I want you to know where faith is right now. She is with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, when you die, if you want to be with Jesus, I'm going to tell you how. And I opened up, and I said, with, so I started with John 3:16, right in a bar. Satan knows who I am. I ain't afraid of no bar. That, 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 that old liquor devil ain't getting on me. As a matter of fact, I drove a bunch of liquor devils out when I was in there. Kenneth Hagin told a man one time, I'm just, listen, listen, I want you to listen to how powerful this is. He, he told a man who had diabetes, he said, you, your blood sugar will register normal while you're with me. You, you, you don't, if you ever learn you can control what's going on around you with the glory of God. You don't have to put up with devils. You don't have to put up with that trash. This is powerful, guys. Say, I'm God's secret weapon. <laughs> Your boss don't know that. Everywhere I've ever worked, their income's gone up. You know, when Mary Friend comes, she said, I carry with me the graces for prosperity. There's more happens in a service than just someone preaching. There's an anointing that comes when you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And very often your income will change just because you were around that anointing. What happened to David's mighty men that just hung around David? They became mighty men. What do you think's happening to the church right now, Paul? We're becoming mighty men just like Jesus. Now, the world does not know what to do with you. They will try everything to figure you out and tell you to stop acting the way you act. I was at work one day and my boss was cussing. And I just under my breath said, shut up, Satan. And he stopped. <laughs> He went and went back to work. <laughs> it's awfully quiet in this Baptist church, but it's all right. Y'all are getting this. You're like, I did not know I was that awesome. <laughs> well, you are. All right. Look at verse chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure where? In an earthen vessel, the life of God that brought Jesus out of hell is inside you. That's powerful. That's incredible. You, I cannot be defeated, and I will never quit. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I've been loose from Satan's grip. Jesus died and he fought a battle and he gave it all to me. I cannot be defeated. 
Saved, I'm healed, I'm free. That, sound, that sounds like Kenneth Copeland. Thank you. Do you understand that song is right? Now, even though, now listen, and we'll, I'm going to show you, well, let, let, let me just read. You want to read? Verse 8, we're hard-pressed on every side. You ever felt like that? Yet not crushed. We're per perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We've been struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're always carrying about in the body to die in the Lord Jesus Christ, so the life that is in us is manifest in our body, and we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Do you understand that the devil is attacking you? Do you understand he is trying to take you down, but it, nothing he has ever done has ever been able to work, and nothing he's ever going to do is ever going to keep you down. Because every time the devil pulls something on you, something on the inside, something on the inside of you rises up and goes, don't you sit there like that. You get back up on your feet. You are a child of Almighty God. I don't want to see you laying down like that anymore. I've seen some of y'all go through hell. You went through it. And you went through it because God is on the inside of you. Amen? And what happened to my voice? You're playing with me? Playing with my voice back there? Turn me back down. You got me ringing. Caleb's at the instruments. Okay. All right, do y'all see that? All right, now let's move on. Um, I almost didn't think I was going get to get to this, but I'm going to get to do it. Go to Revelation 12.10. What about the last days? Well, you heard that the Antichrist is coming. Whoopie-doo. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, don't it? He is Antichrist. I'm Christ. Verse 10. 12.10, I heard a loud voice in heaven that says, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has, that accused them night and day has been cast down. And they, say me, me. overcame him. How much is he going to rule the church in the last days? He's not. He's never been able to. He never will be able to. In the middle of everything coming, the church is going to shine like never before. I'm going to show you. We're going to go back to Isaiah 60 in a minute. I'm going to show you something. Say, my best days are ahead. Go over to Daniel 11 now. Go to Daniel 11. And we'll talk a little bit more about the end times. Because everybody wants to get, get raptured out of here. Get raptured out of here. You don't want to do that. You're going to miss the fight. You'll miss all the fun. Don't you like to beat up the bully? Don't y'all like a good, a, a, a good story where the good guy wins? So I have to tell you about me. How many of y'all have a bully story? Where the bully was picking on you and you popped him. Well, I had that happen. I won't, I'll tell you his first name, and I won't tell you his second name. When I was in school, they had a little skinny kid named Danny. Danny was a... Pest. 
and, uh, and a bully. And he was always running around, hitting, poking, and, and you know, he's the, he's the bad kid. And he came from a bad family and bad parents and the other side of the tracks and the whole nine yards. And I mean, and, and naturally you grow up, you're a little scared of the bully because you really don't want to get in a fight. But he would come up to me, he came up to me in the gym one time, and I won't hurt you. And he slapped me. I went, don't do that. I mean, I asked him nicely, don't, 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 don't slap me in the face. And I really went to the other side of the gym to avoid Danny. But he came over. And he slapped me again. I won't do it again. I promise. I promise. <laughs> and he slapped me again. Not hard, but slapped me. And I said, Danny, don't, don't slap me again. He said, what you going to do? What you going to do? And he started running around the gym. What are you going to do? Morgan's going to beat me up. Morgan's going to beat me up. Morgan's going to beat me up. And he ran around, ran around, ran around, and came back up and slapped me again. And by, now I'm getting mad. Do y'all know? Do y'all know the Hulk? That's a real guy. <laughs> Something in me went from fear to don't you do it again. Yeah. You know, you just kind of, oh. And so I don't know whether it was the fourth or the fifth time he slapped me. And I don't remember hitting him. <laughs> I don't. But I mean, I, I mean, he slapped me and somehow or another my right hand went boom right in his nose and blood went everywhere he had a white jersey on with the blue shorts with a white shirt and it was bright pretty red blood and it looked like I took a knife and cut him open and he ran around the gym sneezing and blowing blood everywhere and it looked like I killed him and he's crying he said, oh, Morgan hit me, Morgan hit me. His blood is, and so, and I'm still afraid he's going to come back. <laughs> but I was so mad, I got, I, I, I just, I, I'll whip you, I'll hit you again, punk. And so, finally, every, everybody's watching this, and, 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 uh, and so the coach comes out, Coach Shalagi. You always remember the coaches that paddle you. I don't remember any coach, but the one that hit me, he, I, his name is engrafted in my soul. So he brings me and Danny into the gym and says, you know we don't fight? And I said, well, he asked the story what happened. And so, um, so anyway, he, he gets us in there, and so he, he says, Morgan, get in there. Get in here. And he closed the door, and he goes, God, I've been wanting to do that. <laughs> and, he sh and he shook my hand and he said, congratulations. He said, now bend over and he still hit me. And he said to me, I have to do this because at the school we don't allow fighting. But I want you to know when you leave, whatever your rear feels like, Danny's, I want a piece of him too. And so he hit Danny. And y'all remember the Princess Bride where the guy screamed all Danny's voice carried all over the school when Coach Shalagi hit him. But after that, I never had trouble with anybody in school again. Morgan will whip you. 
and, and, and it's good that you find, you've got to get to the place where you just quit letting the devil beat you up. You've got to just get to the place where you're going, I'm going to draw a line of the dirt and you cross it, I'm going to take you out, sucker. You're not going to keep wrecking my life. That's what happens to us in the spirit realm. When you, faith has an attitude, guys. All right, now let's go back. Now, now did I read in Daniel? I did not. I'm going to read this, uh, um, Daniel 11:32. I want you to see this in your Bible. I'm on the wrong page. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people say us, who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So what's going to be happening during this time with the church? The church is going to be, going to be tearing the, war, the devil's kingdom all to shreds. We've read about what the devil's going to attempt to do, but we've never read what God's fixing to do. His glory will be, the earth will be full of the glory. Now, I'm running out of time, but I got to tell you the story. Back years ago, years ago, guys, when I, we were over in the shopping center, and I don't know if Betty and Melanie remembers this, was on a Wednesday night, I had an open vision inside the sanctuary of our church. So strong and so pointed that I saw the building that we were in, and it wasn't that one. It was another metal, like a metal building, and it was somewhere else. So much so, I drew it. And we built this building to look exactly like what I saw. So we were in here. And it was the last days. And we were having a Sunday morning service. And the glory fell. Now we're, we're going to go into some times here, guys. In this church, not just this one. But every church where people are starting to seek God. You're going to have times where God is about to start filling you with the glory of God. Remember this. God can save with many or God can save with few. He's not worried about the numbers as much as he is the heart of the man and the woman that he's using. Anyway, in this church right here, people were out. Now, i got to tell you a story, but not today. And one day I'll come in here and tell you about me the time I went to heaven. But I was in heaven all night. All night. When you're in heaven, the things you see and hear, there's no English word to describe that. So you can't tell people what you saw. Now, th imagine this. You go, to the, you go to the North Pole, you see a little Eskimo with a dog sled, and you're going to explain a Rolls Royce to him and a mansion with a swimming pool and a, and a garden with flowers. He has no concept of that. So you can't explain heaven to a person on earth. So anyway, I was there, and I, and I saw the glory of God. And when I came back for three days, my face was in pain because I smiled all the time. If you frown all the time, you start smiling. You're using muscles you never used before. So I'm walking around going, God, you're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. Because the glory was on me so strong that everywhere I went, people could see it. They could see it on me. Everywhere I went, everything I touched, it got on there. It got on it. And it was happened for days after I came back from heaven. So I saw this church, and the people were in here, and it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody in the building was out in the power. And all the people here were in heaven. God was taking you, showing you around heaven, and filling you with the glory of God. And I saw the people get up and leave, and people left this church and went to Walmart, and everybody in Walmart fell out of power. 
That's the last, that's a revival that's going to hit. Smith Wigglesworth said this, and Kenneth Hagin said before Jesus returns, there's going to be people walking a hospital and walking by the rooms. They're going to get out of the beds. Because the glory is going to be so strong. You see, the book of Acts was written as the pattern to the church, but we've left that pattern. Before Jesus comes back, we're coming back to this pattern times 10. We're going to see the book of Acts all over again, but stronger than we've ever seen it before. Samson is a type of the church. Started out great. But he got involved in the world, gave his heart to the world. Not a woman that was part of it, but the world. And he lost his sanctification. But when he got it back, he did his greatest, mightiest work right before he went to heaven. And that's a type of the rapture. Right before the rapture, the church is going to shine like it has never shown before. And his glory is going to be on us. Say our best days are ahead. We haven't seen anything yet. Now, I'm telling you this for this reason. I want you to understand that when we're reading what's going to happen in the last days, that's not a fear tactic. I want you to see it and go, this baby's coming. This baby's coming. We're about to change. This whole world is about to change. And before Jesus returns, God is going to show this world one more time who the boss is. Now, go back to Isaiah 60. I, I, I was walking around going, I know I was going to do it. I want to close with this. Isaiah 60. Are, are you ready? <laughs> oh, MG. And I ain't talking about no car. Now, let's finish reading this. Verse 4. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They will gather together and they will come to you. Your sons will come from afar. You got family members that are not living for God? Someone say amen. amen. Come on, you got to get excited. If you don't get excited, this ain't working for you. Your daughters will be nursed at your side. You will see and become radiant, and your heart will swell with joy because of the abundance of the sea will be turned into you. That's, the, that's people in the earth. And the wealth, say money, of the Gentiles will come to you. It's his money, and he'll give it to the church if he wants to. Now, now, I want you to look at that. That is a picture of the last day's church, arise and shine. Folks, if there ever was a time that you should arise and shine, it is right now. The God in you is greater than all the devils of hell. And everywhere you go, God is sending you there to bring change. And the more of the word you're getting into and the more of God, you, when you draw near to God, the greater your victory is going to be. You can't keep doing your thing your way because it won't work. The world does not have an answer. Everything they're doing is a failure. Do not become a part of it. Do you all see this? We are living in the last days. But he said, you let your light so shine before men. Now, I got to tell you one more story. You knew I was going to do that because it is straight up 12 and I got one minute left. 
When I'm working construction with Weber and Tucker, we used to, we had a, um, a, a, a hospital down on, on I-Drive south of SeaWorld, down by SeaWorld. And they sent me there to fix a bunch of stuff that they had messed up. So I had to take a saw and cut. Cut the blocks out and replace them. And so I'm on a ladder with a saw cutting blocks. And I look down and there's a guy standing at the bottom of the ladder. And he's looking up at me like this. And I stopped and I went, can I help you? He said, you're glowing. I said, this is concrete dust. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, no, it's not. He said, you're Christian. I said, yes. He said, I'm a heroin addict. And you're glowing, and I want you to pray for me. Now, I put the saw down and went down. We got a block and pulled it out, pulled up and prayed for this boy. Got him born again. My God. What is it? Do you understand who you are? Do you understand that people can see it? We see the pictures of Jesus with a halo. That's, they didn't, that, he walked around with the glory on him. We, he said, I have given you my glory. You are, you're a vessel of God in the earth. And you're his secret weapon. The last days, who's he gonna, he's gonna use you. You may not have ever thought that. It's not because you're smart or intelligent. You, you think, well, I'm not, all that, I'm not all that great. Well, neither was Peter. Neither was Paul. Neither was Mary Magdalene. He don't use great people. That's why he's using you. That's why he uses me. So people say, well, Pastor Darrell, you're not all that. And I say, well, you ain't never seen the inside of me. Say amen. amen. Father, say this out loud. Say, I am full, I am full of, the of the very life of God. I have his glory. I am in, in the earth to change the world, change the world. around me, around in, me. Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Father God, thank you for this morning. I pray as I get out of here and I walk out that everybody in the sound of my voice would understand that when you made us new creations... You made something very special. Satan knows who we are. I pray it's time that we find out who we are. And though we're in the world we're in, we're not afraid. You told us not to be troubled. And we're watching stuff happen around us right now, and we're very aware that we're living in the very last days. Well, we're watching. We're watching a transition go from the kingdom of darkness to the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ right in front of us. We're looking forward to the day that there will be a literal rapture of the earth, of the church before the wrath of God hits this planet, but the wrath of God is going to hit it. It is going to hit it, and we're not going to be here. But until we go, Father, we're here. Use us. We sang the song a while ago. Father, use us because Jesus brought light in the world. And now we're full of light, and you've sent us just like you did Jesus. Wherever we go, we understand we're there with a purpose to change the world we live in.
Father, thank you for using us in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.